Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. From ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joins us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Very tight-lipped, I'm assuming, today, whether it's uh, incredibly early, I guess, to make some kind of call as to whether or not we're going to see Anthony Richardson. But if you go by how they handled Ogletree, um, it, it, does that set any precedent for us to maybe gauge how they're going to end up handling the 21-year-old rookie quarterback? Well, excuse me, I would say maybe. Uh, here's the the difference is, and first of all, on Ogletree. So to to set the stage, if people weren't following, he had a concussion last week. Uh, he went through the steps and he cleared the concussion protocol on Saturday afternoon. So he was eligible to play. He was cleared and in accordance with the protocol. They they kept him out. Shane Steichen said today that was a coach's decision, and not because of his concussion. But the reality is. We can't pretend he didn't have the concussion right. and wasn't and was cleared like the day before the game. So I guess what I'm saying is, it's fair to to ask whether that played a role in their decision, even though they're saying it wasn't quite two plus two equals four. Now, what I would say is that the tight end situation is much different than quarterback. <laughs> so at least a little bit, it, it, it's different in that they have more options at tight end. But it's but it's also true that Gardner Minshew is a, a decent option. So so I guess you can apply the same logic to some degree. It's not as if you have no backup who's worth putting on the field. I mean, Gardner Minshew was absolutely fine yesterday, and and that wasn't surprising to anyone, not to me, and I don't think to most people. I mean, I've felt all along that if Gardner Minshew was the starter, he would probably have a higher completion percentage and and would have in many ways better passing numbers than Anthony Richardson, not necessarily a lot of yards, but I'm just saying efficiency numbers. So they have like a legitimate option there, but the the difference being obviously that Anthony Richardson is a, a vastly different player than, than Gardner Minshew. And you can play a completely different kind of game with him under center. But if you're just talking about executing and, and running the offense, I mean, look, Gardner Minshew's perfectly fine to do that. So I guess where I would come down on it is they should be smart. And I think you should do that, you know, with a 21-year-old quarterback who has uh, lots of football in front of him, hopefully. Yeah, no doubt about that. You, you got any thought as to sitting here right now, his availability or lack thereof on Sunday? No, the only thing I can say is, and and I hesitate to even read anything into this, okay, because I don't think we ever really know what we're looking at when when someone has a head injury. But, um, you know, Jim Irsay and and most of Richardson's teammates, when when they were asked about, you know, what they observed, they said, well, you seem fine to me. (laughs) So, I know, whether that tells us anything, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I I do think there there have been instances where guys had a concussion, and and that that was not the reaction, right? So 
take that for what it's worth. It, it may not be worth much, but but just I'm just putting it out there because that's what they said. Well, so, Steve, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. I'm assuming you're getting a lot of this as well. People are asking me. Uh, does he run too much and mm-hmm. is this going to be this or this going to be that how do they handle it well one we both know this there'll be some i'm sure process protocol a lot of sheets that he's going to have to go over and how to better protect himself which you can't realistically at all 100 percent protect yourself but i'm sure better ways and means in which to try to do that when you're outside the pocket and on the run things of that nature um but I, i've said it this way they drafted him, and that's what he is, and that's what he's yep. going to be. They have formed the playbook entirely around him because that's what he is, and that's what he's going to be. And pretty much that's that, right, until further notice, correct? Perfectly said. I'm glad you said that because, in fact, I, I wrote a whole story about it. <laughs> cool. I don't know if we're going to post it tonight or, or tomorrow morning, but it needs to be said. Like, everyone in the locker room is saying, well, you know, he's got to learn to play smart. Okay, I commend them. It's a nice thought. It sounds good. You know, but look, this ain't Disney World, okay? <laughs> like, this guy is a running quarterback. He's going to get hit, brother. Okay? That's just, we might as well just come to terms with it. Now, how much you expose him to those hits and whether he does what he needs to do to reduce the number of hits, those are things that, that are up for debate, and those are things that, that you can have some say-so in. But at the end of the day, they drafted him knowing his style, knowing how they were going to use him. All of this has been above board. None of this is surprising. And so why we are sitting here acting like they got to protect him, oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, what are we talking about? <laughs> they didn't draft him to be – to be a, a guy who, who never leaves the pocket. That's not what he is. They're not going to turn him into that because he's not that. So whether that helps you sleep at night, I, I, well, let me rephrase that. I know that doesn't help people sleep at night. <laughs> okay. I, I understand that, but it is what it is. So we might as well stop trying to, you know, put a happy yeah. face on this. Like he's going to get hit people. That's why, and as Jim Mercer himself said, he said, you know, that's why we drafted a big, strong guy because we know they take hits at that position now because we expose them to hits. It is what it is. Yeah. I don't know what more you can do about it. Maybe one of these days you'll be able to when he has more of a a pocket presence, hopefully becomes more accurate, yeah. things of that nature. Uh, it's, it's part of that evolution. But, you know, as of right now, I mean, this is much like you see with Jalen Hurts and you saw effectively done a year ago. This is built to, you know, within the uh, the playbook um, to be of incredible value. And that's where it really starts in this playbook right yeah. there is with him listen, doing that. Listen, you, had, you said it perfectly. The, their entire advantage right now is the fact that Anthony Richardson has this component to his game. You saw it yesterday. I mean – how much worse of a play caller would Shane Steichen have been in those first couple series <laughs> if you had a different quarterback? You would have called it a completely different kind of game, which basically you saw when Gardner Minshew got in the game. And I actually wonder if it almost uh, if it almost helped, not helped, but like for Houston, they game plan for Anthony Richardson, and then they ended up for for three or excuse me, two and a half quarters playing a completely different type of quarterback who was a 
guy playing from the pocket. So I have no idea how that affected their game plan, but it, it had to have some impact, which is kind of funny because <laughs> normally you're like, all right, we got to be ready for this guy because he's going to run all over the place and you game plan around that. And then they got something completely different, which is, you know, just kind of ironic. But anyhow, I, I agree with you. I mean, this is their entire offensive advantage is the fact that no one has figured out how to stop this guy, at least, you know, just in terms of the, the, the things that he can do that are, that are atypical. They don't have a read on that yet. And, I, and I've said this on your show before, I believe, and I'll say it again. Uh, the Colts internally in their organization, they felt like their biggest advantage would come in the first few weeks of the season because this is all brand new. And people haven't seen these plays. They haven't seen him run the, this offense, all of that. So they're going to lean into it. I mean, because that's what they're supposed to do. Stephen Oldler of ESPN.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It was talked about as Anthony Richardson uh, kind of ratted himself out, I guess, yesterday. Self-reported his situation. How, from your understanding, did that all go down over the course of the game on the sideline? Yeah, so... I think it's actually to his great credit that he did that. And and apparently Ryan Kelly, who was diagnosed uh, shortly after with his own concussion, he brought those symptoms to the team's attention as well. And then the concussion test came up uh, indicating that he had symptoms too. So uh, in in Anthony's case, I mean, it's well documented by now. They, they think it happened when he scored that second touchdown, uh, he flips over, does that somersault, and in the process hit his head as, as he was going to the turf. Uh, he sure didn't look like a guy who had just banged his head on the turf when he jumped up and celebrated um, very, very enthusiastically. But anyhow, I, he played six more snaps after that. They Well, there were a couple penalties in there. So I think he was probably under center for about eight snaps or so. Um, they punted twice on or punted on both of those possessions, three and outs on both. And then it was at that point during the defensive series when he he brought the uh, he brought it to the team's attention that he was having these symptoms. He should get checked. Now the other thing that's come up, and and I brought this up, and and so have others. They have these concussion spotters at the games. That you see them out there. If you pay attention in the background, you see them with the red hats on on the sideline. And so those are those are neurologists whose job is to kind of monitor guys who may be dealing with concussion symptoms. Now, they did not catch anything here, but I actually don't think the system necessarily failed. You know, I, I double checked with the league on this and you can go on my Twitter feed if you want the whole statement. And it's in uh, my story on ESPN.com as well. What they have what they outlined to me uh, at the league office is that because I asked, I said, look, he took this hit, you know, is is it in their purview to intervene and say, hey, we should check him? And what I was told, I was actually corrected. Their job isn't to look for hits. Their job, those those neurologists who are on, on the field and in the skybox, their job is to look for players who are exhibiting symptoms of concussions, the behavior that that they can tell uh, might indicate a, a concussion, right? Whether a guy's wobbly, whether a guy has other sorts of behavior that, that are uh, in accordance with maybe a possible concussion. That's what they're looking for, uh, as opposed to a guy who, hey, he took a big hit, he might he might have a concussion. Because, frankly, it happens all the time, right? We see guys take a big hit, 
and there's nothing. They're fine. And then there's other instances where where a guy gets a concussion, and we have no idea how it happened. We never saw him take, quote-unquote, a big hit because that's not how it works. So it's a good reminder that concussions are really, really complicated, and, and how they occur and, and when they occur are, are not necessarily uh, when we think they happen or how they happen. So I guess what I'm saying is I think it all worked out in the end. Um, should they have checked? Should they instruct these doctors to check guys who take a big hit? I, I don't know. They would probably slow the game down a lot more if they did. But uh, the, every, apparently everybody did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Well, what do you think about Wesley French getting in there, by the way? And you mentioned Ryan Kelly going out with uh, his concussion situation, too. What do you think of the guy that backed him up? I mean, I thought the, the offensive line acquitted itself pretty well. Um, no sacks. They, they really didn't have a ton of pressure, frankly. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, they were up against 85 Bears, but I, I do think at the end of the day, I don't care who you're playing. I mean, every team is gunning for the quarterback. And particularly when you move to that, you know, to more of a pocket style quarterback with, with Minshew. And I still didn't see much of a difference there. And, and in fact, they were still able to run the ball with some success despite having, you know, more of a stationary quarterback. So, I mean, I've got to give the offensive line a lot of credit. Obviously, uh, Zach Moss did a, did a very good job as well, but, but I think there were also some lanes there that he was able to take advantage of, and it has all worked out. I mean, it, it, it really – I know Houston scored those 10 uh, fourth-quarter points, and it kind of changed the complexion of the game a little bit, but that was a manhandling. They manhandled that team. And despite C.J. Stroud, I thought having a really impressive game. Uh, they That game was never in doubt is what I'm saying. And, you know, look, we can talk about the missed field goal at the end by Houston. Maybe it's a different game in the final series. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? I mean, at the end of the day, look, we're not talking about, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. We're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. For them, that's a good win. That's what I'd say. No, no, there's no doubt. It was one that was incredibly necessary because fans around here have not been able to embrace anything like that from start to finish and basically forever. Yeah, and and especially in light of of Anthony's injury, I think that's the thing to mention in particular because, yeah, granted, they were up when he went out. I I think it was, was it 14-7, I want to say? Uh, I mean, that game was... That game was nip and tuck at that time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, they, that, it would be that, much that darker day today. Had it'd be, it'd be a very dark day had they not won yeah. that and lost Richardson yeah. at the same time. Right. So you know, as it was, it was kind of a muted victory because obviously we we know what he means to the team. But but I, I think to to be able to uh, to be able to to push through and and win in convincing fashion after his injury. I think that says a lot, and, and talks about it tells you about guys rallying around, uh, you know, each other, and then in the backup quarterback as well, rallying around Minshew. Um, that that's a pretty impressive win. Stephen Holder from ESPN dot com is with us. So it was very thinly veiled, uh, pointing the finger at the situation with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Tom Palisaro's report that the NFLPA there was an NFL filing a grievance against the NFLPA over the allegations. The union advised running backs to consider feigning or exaggerating injuries to gain leverage.
leverage and contract talks and seeking an order for the union to cease and desist from such improper conduct. The NFLPA countered with, quote, this is ridiculous and without merit. And again, seemingly all pointing the finger at Jonathan Taylor, who was not on the road in Houston yesterday with the Colts for that win. However, was active via social media on Instagram with a video working out at the Colts complex. What do you make of all this swirling around with his time remaining on PUP two more weeks? Well, it's not shocking, I guess, when you think about it, because uh, we we know that that there's been this um, sort of undercurrent among teams and owners. I mean, Jamerse has basically vocalized it, frankly, you know, that, that they didn't appreciate, I guess. It's not surprising that they don't appreciate, you know, some of the things that have been said and done. I think it's interesting. <laughs> you have the, the running backs have essentially accused the owners of collusion. And I think what the owners now are doing is accusing the running backs of collusion. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little bit of tit for tat, I, I think is what it is, you know, and, and I said this recently, it's so ironic because I, I said this recently that I said, you know, maybe the running backs are colluding. And I said, you know, my thought was and because they think the owners are, so they're doing their own version of collusion, perhaps. And, and so I guess the owners agree. Um I don't know how I, I don't know whether this matters much in the grand scheme because if, if they're not naming any particular player in this grievance, then there there wouldn't be any any specific punishment for any one particular player, I presume. Uh, but I, I also don't know like how you resolve these things. It'll be interesting. Normally grievances get resolved like, you know, by money, <laughs> but I don't know how this one works. I mean, the, are the owners asking for money back. I don't think that's the case here. So I, I don't know that detail. And I, I will look into that because I'm actually curious how, what is a potential resolution to this thing whenever it goes before the arbitrator. Anyhow, we got a long way to go before that happens. But for now, to your question, I, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a shot across the bow. It feels like that. That's what it feels like to me. Is there any reason for Colts fans that like me would be pro and wanted to see Jonathan Taylor back on this team and playing this year? Was that video on Friday, any indicator that maybe you should have a a shred of confidence that maybe your, your wishes and your thoughts could become reality? Um, Well, it, it, it does make it at least, a possibility because if he's if he's not healthy if he, if he can't move around then then him getting back to the field is not even up for discussion right so so let's start with that which is kind of obvious now is he or was he trying to um, make the point that I'm almost back was he trying to uh, send a, a a message to outside suitors right I mean that that has been proposed as a, as a possible explanation. I don't know. Uh, but I just think in general, if he is on the field and getting closer to playing, it at least tells us that we're getting closer to a resolution because honestly that I think that's good for everybody. If we get this thing figured out, whether he gets traded, whether they do something else, if he plays and has a great season, whatever the outcome is, you know, I, I think if we just need a resolution. Everybody needs a resolution because they kicked the can down the road by putting him on the pup list. And that's the, that's the one thing I, I do wonder about, like they had the option of putting him on the active roster. And I have actually wondered aloud, 
Like, should Chris Ballard have just done that? I actually think, you know, Jonathan Taylor would have had to make a decision. It would have kind of forced his hand to make a decision. And, and at least it would have got us closer to a resolution in all of this. And, and even if he wasn't quite ready to play week one, I mean, it wasn't like their, their roster was bursting at the seams with all this talent that they couldn't let go. I mean, they could have stashed him on the 53-man roster and sped this process up a little bit, at least by a couple weeks. Anyhow, they didn't do that, so here we are. So to just my thoughts, based you know, back to your question, what did it mean, him posting that video? I, I just think it's... Um, it's in his best interest at some point to play or to show that he can play because he needs to, he needs to demonstrate that to, uh, to, to make sure his contract stays intact. And then secondly, if he wants to get traded, which I believe he still ultimately wants, if he, if he still wants to get traded, it, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt, excuse me, to, uh, to show that you're, you're back, that you're physically able to play. Steven Juju Brent's a healthy scratch again, this week yeah. what um what's going on there so essentially he had to kind of start from scratch after training camp because you know he had that injury that he started camp with and and he really didn't get any real time there you know being a rookie you know not being able to practice in the defense and and get um you know get any preseason snaps and you know those kinds of things i just think the coaches saw that and said, you know, he needs more time to get up to speed, to get ready. Now, that being said, uh, I think if we're, t- if we're still having the same conversation in a couple of weeks, then we got a problem. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to be blunt. I mean, I think it's a plausible explanation for right now. And they have been adamant that there's nothing wrong with him. He didn't get in trouble. Um, he's not hurt necessarily, uh, but he's just, behind the eight ball totally reasonable and i i think understandable but again um he's practicing every day okay so like that learning process should be happening quickly now and i get that we're in the regular season and and they don't have the time to kind of dig in uh and and get him up to speed like they would in in training camp but i mean he's been around all the time he's been in all these meetings and all that so i mean he's not completely starting from scratch. He just didn't have enough practice, right? So I, I would say that Juju Brents, if he's not out there in a couple of weeks, uh, it, it says to me that, that he is not a better option than the guys who are out there at that point. Well, For now, we'll and then you look at one particular option yesterday that a lot of people mm-hmm. have been talking about right here, and I guess it makes you wonder even more, and this is kind of a two-parter before I let you go, I mean, are, are they disappointed in where Brents is right now, considering their actions with him as far as his participation? And we saw last week with, um, with Deion Jackson struggling mightily offensively, he grabbed some bench and didn't play. And you saw Moss yesterday take all but one snap out there offensively, which seemed to fit the Colts at least against Houston. Might Daryl Baker Jr. fall into a similar category of maybe grabbing some bench after yesterday, or is that going a little bit too far right now? Uh, It's probably going too far right now, but that's because uh, you have to have a a better option. Now they do have Johnson that that is, or excuse me, um, not Johnson uh, Jones. Yeah. Uh, That is another option. And so that's, I I think it's, 
if there is a change, I think that's where they go first. Are they in the market for a veteran guy? I mean, if they were, wouldn't that have happened like in the last at some point in the last six months? Oh, I don't. Know. I see Bradley Roby still floating around out there, <laughs> right? Like, no, uh, I mean, fair question. Like, like a little like, marijuana right? smoke, you know, at a hip hop concert. So, I mean, I, I mean, you still see it happen. I, I just, I was just curious. It just crossed my mind no, as you were talking. No, I, I get it. I, I, it's a fair question. It's the right question, yeah. but I, I think it's just the reality is. Right. Um, I don't. If they haven't done it by now, I just think they're not inclined to do it, you know. And uh, look, I mean, there's something to be said for letting guys play through things. There is something to be said for that, particularly for a team. Let's be honest. I mean, they're not trying to win the Super Bowl. Okay, I don't, I don't know if that's a newsflash to anybody, but the Colts are not trying to win the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> Like this is a a year there there's a lot of development happening, assessment, all of that. That's what this feels like, right? So, I I get it. There's something to be said for for letting guys grow, you know, letting them kind of push through and and figure it out. There's something to be right. said for that. Great. However, well, well, they didn't let Deion Jackson figure much out. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. There is yeah. a, there's a fine line though, right? Like I mean, you got to be the arrow has to be pointing in the right direction too, you know. So. Uh, that's that's where I would say uh, they got to be smart here. I mean, listen, most of the time when a guy throws for, what did C.J. Stroud throw for? Like 370 yards or something. Like I mean, three, three, 340-something, I think. And most of the time when a guy lights you up like that, you lose. You know? So the, the only reason they didn't is because they built themselves a big lead and it, it didn't matter that much. But um, – and, and also, I mean – that team has a lot of issues. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? But uh, but generally, generally, you don't survive that. So you know that that's not something that can continue. And I'll tell you, like next week, uh, Lamar Jackson. You know, we we talk about Lamar being this dual threat guy, but I mean, he's completing a hell of a lot of passes right now, and and he yep. is, is he is completing passes at a really high rate, and and he's throwing really accurately. He looks great. And I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be tough, man. Like, you know, he's he's throwing probably as accurate as he ever has. And so maybe all it took was, you know, uh, 180 million to 200 million dollars. But yeah, <laughs> and then getting him is, some other like wide receiving weapons, I think probably was a hell of a plan hurt. too, right? It never hurts. Yeah. Isn't that interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, where that stands, you know, is, you know drafting, I think they drafted Zay Flowers. I think out of Boston College, obviously, in the first round mm-hmm. to help uh, help out that situation. And, and I'll tell you, you're right. It never does hurt. In fact, I think yesterday, what, Aguilar went, uh, I mean, they had, no, that was rushing. I'm sorry. Yeah, Aguilar had uh, five for 63. I mean, they didn't have, I mean, 237 through the air, I guess that is. That's pretty good, but it's not like yeah, anybody I mean, stood specifically out in that. So yeah, yeah. they're always going to be balanced. I mean, they they're not going to right. You know, Baltimore's not going to have a 400 yard passing game for the most part, but that's because uh, you know they, they 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 basically run a very balanced offense, and that's intentional, and, and they have a big running element to their offense, obviously. Uh, but when they need a when they need to to go to the air and they need to get the ball to somebody get a, a first down I mean, they're doing it i mean they're doing it very efficiently right now so it's not even really about the big numbers 
And and CJ Stroud's performance kind of shows you that it's it's not even about the numbers; it's about the efficiency and making them count. And and Baltimore is doing that right now. So anyway, um, the point being, um, Colts secondary, you know, hope they've got their attention. Yeah, it probably should be, no doubt about that. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, his latest, if it's been released yet, it's about ready to regarding the situation with Anthony Richardson and, and you know what the real situation is as far as how they utilize him, which is how they're going to continue to utilize him. You can find that at yeah. ESPN.com. Always a pleasure on a Monday, Stephen. Thank you. All right, my friend. 